Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you. With this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Best Ever You Show. This is our second show this fall. Uh, yesterday, uh, actually the day before yesterday, we had Fred Cuellar on, who came to uh, talk about his new book, and uh, we've got... we're. We're keeping the theme of books alive this week. Uh, this time we've got a Maine author with us. Uh, we've got Maine's own military crime novelist and newspaper man, Paul Batit, with us. And um, he's going to share uh, a lot about his books today. I'm so excited to have him on here. And um, I met Paul, uh, I think we were in the rain, weren't we, Paul? We were watching some baseball. Yes. Yep. <laughs> in the rain. Maine. Typical Maine spring baseball weather. Yep. Baseball weather, yeah. And uh, it, it was it was nice. I I really appreciate all the wonderful things you've written about our son Cam, and uh, you, you're a big supporter of him and his pitching at New Haven and all that good stuff. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, oh, that's welcome. how I kind of yeah. Well, that's how we as a family sort of fell in love with your writing. Um, and it it sometimes things happen that way, don't they? You just uh, it just is what it is. And we we felt like. Uh, we we loved your writing so much. We felt like we had watched the same thing. <laughs> that's the best I can explain that, it. it was, that's always that's always good. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I've always tried to to put the reader uh, right where I am and 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 you know, what, what I saw and uh, uh, put them in the time and place. And uh, and, I, and I appreciate it when people notice that I, you know, that when it when it works. So yeah. Um, it, well. Even if even if he had lost or whatever, I mean, you always you always wrote exactly what happened, and we really appreciated that. It was it was honest, and it was an honest assessment, and I love that. So um, you so is that tell me is that your that's the primary thing about you is just all this newspaper beautiful newspaper reporting for so many years here in Maine, right? Do you want to tell right. us a little bit about yourself because that's that's just amazing. Well, I, I grew up in Augusta, and uh, I, I graduated from Coney High School and uh, immediately joined the Army. I was in the Army for four years, and uh, we worked. I was in the Army Security Agency, which no longer exists, uh, but it's part of the uh, Military Intelligence Command now. But uh, we worked for the uh, National Security Agency. We were a uh, military affiliate of the National Security Agency. So I did some report writing there, and... Um, after after um, the army, I started college. At first, I was full time, and then I went part time and uh, had various jobs while I was uh, going to college part time. And one of them was as a account executive at, at, a, at a radio station. Uh, actually, they're still on the air, so they survived me um, <laughs> for WAPK in 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 uh, Gardner and uh, WGAN in in Portland and. Uh, basically, I would sell ad- advertising, and I would uh, uh, write and produce, uh, ad- you know, ads, radio ads, commercials. So I, I resisted it for a long time, but it, it was writing seemed to be a part of uh, what I needed to do in, uh, you know, in my life. And so, uh, when it 
came time to declare a major, I majored in journalism and uh, started working at the Kennebec Journal following my graduation. Started working at the Kennebec Journal in 1974 and had more or less been working for the same company ever since. I'm retired, no longer a staff writer for the newspapers, but uh, uh, I retired and I still cover uh, uh, all sorts of um, amateur, I mean, high school, college, professional sports uh, for on a freelance basis for the for the Press Herald and, and the Maine Sunday Telegram. Yeah. And then uh, about 20 years ago, I decided to try to write a book. And uh, I'm still trying to write a book. Is that a that's funny? No, they're good books. I have uh, all four of them. Uh, actually, I when you when I I came to your um, author signing there in Cumberland, Maine, and uh, there were a lot of people there, and you graciously signed. Uh, I bought all four of the books, and you graciously signed them all. And uh, I got home with all four books, and my, I know I'm in a house full of boys. I'm the only girl. There's five boys and me, although some of them are at college. They were like, oh, cool books. And um, they took them, <laughs> except one. I took one. I'm like, no, I'm keeping that one and reading it. And uh, But they're, they're four just amazing books. And um, I, want, I want to talk about them in one second, but I want to ask you, when you made a decision to go from newspaper writing to book writing, is that a huge leap? Is that a different kind of writing? It's very different. Um, you know, I, 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 I didn't really go, though. I still stayed in the newspaper business. I still kept my day job. So this Most of us have less, to. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and so this is – and, and, it, and it was, it's, it's quite different. Um, uh, I have a – I think the thing about my newspaper writing, and, uh, and, and some of my bosses have uh, noticed this over the years, is I have a strong – I have a good newspaper voice, uh, a narrative voice, and my narrative voice, especially in my third-person stories, which three of my books are written in the third person, is like my newspaper narrative voice on steroids. Yeah. Uh, I can I can uh, do some uh, editorializing. <laughs> I, you know, I I can I can do a lot more. Uh, you know, with uh, with the narrative voice, it becomes, uh, in, in my books, it becomes another character. And uh, the dialogue, it's great. I mean, you, you know, I, I like to use quotes uh, from when I, when I interview coaches, and so it was refreshing to be able to make up the quotes. Uh, the uh, development of characters, um, usually in newspapers, uh, the character is there if you can, you know, Get through. Usually, you get the character, you know, through um, uh, dialogue. What the person said tells you, you know, quotations. Uh, in the fiction part piece, it's it's there's a lot more descriptive, a little bit more descriptive writing, and uh, so it, 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 it's a it's a yeah it's it's a leap. But for me, in in the type of book that I write, it's not that much of a leap because most of my books are fairly fact based. Uh, yeah. Especially in the background, uh, where they take place, it's uh, you know it's the stuff going on all in the background, and these these detectives are doing their thing in the foreground, and uh, that's the you know that's the made up part, you know what Got it. what they're doing. So, all right. So uh, for I see a lot of people are in our chat rooms and um, are trying to call in and so forth. So if you, if you uh, if you additionally want to call in and ask Paul a question, you can either type that in our chat room or you can call us at six four six. 
787-8537 and press one. Um, I may screen the calls ahead of time. Uh, if you want to type in the chat room what you want to ask, that would be great. We do have a couple questions for you, Paul, but um, to the people asking questions, can you hang on just a second? Because we didn't even get to the names of his books yet and we're already getting questions. So um, let's go back and let's talk about the names of your books and then I'll come back to the questions here in just a second. Sure. Um, do you want to go with the first one or the most recent one? Well, the, 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 I think I'll talk about the uh, the first three uh, are basically okay. very related. Uh, it's it's a series. Uh, the first one of which is called uh, is entitled Fubai, which takes place in Vietnam in, in May of 1967, which is the time of uh, of a large buildup. Uh, when I when I arrived in Vietnam in February of '66. Uh, there were about 120, 130,000 troops there, and then when I left in 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 May, late late May, early June, 67, there were we were half there was a half million men there, and so mm-hmm. the place had changed somewhat, and uh, and I and through my characters in the book, I point these things out. So it takes place over a four or five uh, week uh, day period, and it's essentially a crime story, and it's the only thing is is that the crime has uh, occurred in a war zone and these two investigators that's what their primary function is is to solve crimes and uh, yet there's a war going on and uh, that that uh, causes distractions and and uh, you know adds adds a different uh, element to the, to their jobs um, i spent 15 months in vietnam so a lot of a lot of the background in the book is is based on on where i was and my perspective of the war um the next book takes place is called Cagnew Station. Uh, it takes place in July of 1968 uh, in Ethiopia. Uh, after Vietnam, I spent nearly two years in Ethiopia at a uh, in uh, the city of Asmara, which is now the capital of the independent nation of Eritrea. Uh, back then, it, Eritrea was a province of Ethiopia. And uh, again, uh, the the, the Main character in in the series, John Murphy, who was an who was an Army uh, criminal uh, investigation division uh, investigator, uh, goes over to solve a, goes over there to solve a murder. And uh, while he's there, someone keeps on trying to kill killing kill him, so which is another uh, element uh, you know in, in the book. Um, and I wanted to show there that uh, during the Vietnam Wars, uh, there were a lot of things going on elsewhere that that our country was involved in uh, that were uh, important uh, to the army, anyway, and, and to our to our foreign policy. And then the third book is called The Man in the Canal. It takes place in Sweden in 1971, and in that book, John Murphy uh, goes to Sweden in in search of a, a murderer who is believed to be. Uh, uh, Ensconced with the uh, a number of uh, military deserters who who went to Sweden during the Vietnam War uh, for a variety of reasons, but mostly to avoid uh, service in, in Vietnam. And uh, and in that book, uh, I uh, he is deeply undercover, so uh, I had to develop another character, another main character. So I I, I introduce a Swedish. Uh, investigator who's working on a case, uh, a separate case from when the one Murphy is, and uh, in this one, uh, the book uh, bounces back and forth. Each chapter bounces back and forth between the two detectives as they uh, do their investigations, conduct their investigations, investigations independently of each other. So, so those are 
basically crime novels. And then my latest book, which was published uh, coming up on the year now, um, is called uh, Let Me Tell a Story, and it's a collection of short fiction and memoir, and it's based on some of my Vietnam experiences, but also uh, uh, half the stories take place in Maine and, and they're based on my experiences of growing up and living in Maine. And uh, so this is a more personal book. These are uh, first-person stories uh, with the one thing being that uh, narrator of one story is not necessarily the narrator of another story. I think the same character appears four or five times, but there's just different people and different stories. Yeah. Uh, you, and do, do, most of them are based on things that may have happened. So. Do you have a favorite of the four? Like if somebody's listening and saying, okay, I can't read all four of them at once, but I'm going to pick one, which one would it be? Well, my the wife top. likes the second one. <laughs> Cagnustation? Yeah, she likes the second one. Because it's actually, that's the first one I wrote. I didn't publish it first, but I wrote it. Huh. Uh, every once in a while I'll go and pick up one, one of my books and I'll just start reading, you know, and I, I like them all. I mean, they're, they're all, and they're different. Even for being a part of a series, they're, the way they're constructed and the way they're put together are, are, are quite different, uh, somewhat different. It's, I don't follow, formula, follow a formula, but I really don't have a favorite. I, I, really, I really like them all. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I'm not, and I'm not someone who knows, uh, I, ne- I don't necessarily have done something well until I see it in print. And it's the same today with, I cover a game, uh, what I send in, geez, I hope that worked well. Then I see it the next day, and it's basically almost word for word what I wrote. And I said, wow, that was pretty good. And it's the same thing yeah. with these books. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I reread them, you know, I read them dozens of times. And, uh, but when I read them within the book cover it, uh, in, in, in print, uh, other than my own, you know, set up differently, you know, um, I, I, I was impressed. <laughs> it's impressed with myself. Yeah, they're, that's they're good. good. Yeah, no. Well, I, I like hearing that too because that was one of the things I did with my own book. Was I had I, first of all I read it out loud a couple times to myself, uh, yeah. flat out out loud. I had somebody read it to me. I think I read that You're you right. did that too. And then right. um, I I tried to write a book I'd actually buy myself, like go in and be like, yeah, I, I'll I'll buy that, <laughs> you know, because right. you know, if you won't buy your own book, you're gonna buy it. I don't, yeah, I don't but, buy very yeah. many books. It's really <laughs> funny. So we have a question about the writing process, and I I suspect that this might happen because we have a pretty good audience on Best Ever You of people who really love to write, uh, really love Mm. to read, uh, really love media, all of that good stuff. And there are a lot of people in the process of writing their own books and trying to become published and all that good stuff. So we have a question. um, It's from Amy, and she's in Colorado. Um, Hopefully I said that right. That was my Midwest version of that state. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Okay, no, I I understood it. I I, I know right where it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She wants to know if um, going from newspaper to books and and being in the process of both during your writing process, did you get hung up at all on punctuation Um, or did did you write freely without uh, worrying about punctuation when you were writing your book? I should have worried about punctuation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, I I really uh, don't. I mean, it's going to be edited. By someone or other. I had several people. Uh, my first two books, I had a, a fellow that I was in Vietnam with uh, who lives in California, and he offered to, to read the manuscript, and then I, I sent it out to him, and a month later he 
I would get it back, and it'd be all marked up. And and uh, he he uh, both times he he would write me a ten or twelve page memo about suggestions and uh, things that uh, uh, some stuff that was unbelievable, <laughs> you know, and uh, that yeah. that I had written, uh, you know, some some action or something. And uh, um, I I don't worry so much about it being perfect the first time through because it is not going to be the first time. Uh, this is uh, these things have been. Uh, I, I probably did five or six uh, drafts of each of these books, and I I've had uh, people read the entire book. I've had people read sections of it as I was writing them, and uh, they would come up with suggestions. And sometimes they were good suggestions, and sometimes they were they were bad. Uh, but I you know so I it's it's a collaborative effort. So I mean. I think Amy uh, should, uh, you know, if she has siblings, uh, a mother, a father, uh, parents, uh, good friends, uh, she she should enlist their help. And then at some point, uh, you know, you, uh, one of my books, I hired a, a, a professional and uh, to, to, to edit. And uh, I, at this stage, I think I, I write pretty clean. And so, mm-hmm. but I, but I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't worry about the punctuation. I wouldn't worry about the grammar. I would get it out. Uh, uh, I, I talked to uh, Tess. I, I went to a book talk uh, Tess Garretson gave one time, and someone asked her about you know how she writes, and she uses legal pads, and she just writes and writes and writes and writes and writes and writes longhand, and she doesn't worry about grammar, any of that, any of that stuff. And then at some point somebody transcribes it, and that's when the editing begins. But I, I don't think as you're doing it you should really worry a lot about it because you get hung up on that, and that keeps you from doing what you really want to do, which is to write. I hope okay. that answers yeah. your question. <laughs> no, I, yep, she said thank you. So yep, it did. Um, okay. I had a, one of my questions as I was reading. Um, I skimmed through some of them, and then I'm I'm reading through by. Um, I and I. I love the names you come up with. I, that's one of the things that most fascinates me when people write fiction are the names they come up with for the characters mm. and how the characters are developed and how the characters like have, you know, it's like a, a, you, when you're reading, you feel like it's a real person you might know, or, you know, or that you're reading about, you know, they have, they stay in a certain lane of how they're going to behave and all that good stuff, or at least you think they are. <laughs> um, where do you right. come up with all of that? that I mean, that's well, cool. Um, the the uh, dead guy in Fubai that you you know I think mm-hmm. third fourth, third or fourth uh, paragraph you uh, uh, I mentioned his name and it, it's it's John Merrill and uh, when I was writing the book I have a good friend whose name is Jack Merrill and when he when I started writing this book uh, that book he said Jesus can you can you put me in it you know and I said well. <laughs> I'll see what I can can do, you know, and so I basically kill him, you know, uh, right nice. off the bat. And and so when he reads the book, he said, "Gee, you killed me." I said, "Yeah, but we talk about you all through the book." So, but yeah, I was looking his 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 his. Uh, you a lot of the people, a lot of the names are people I know. Uh, That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, uh, I have a, I have former sports editors that are that are mentioned, that, uh, uh, newspaper colleagues, uh, my financial revisor advisor uh, <laughs> is is is, uh, is is in the uh, the man in the canal. He's a, he's a he's an American minister who's over there. 
uh, Reverend Fred, as he's called, uh, a, a Brunswick car dealer is in one of my books, uh, a pharmacopoeia editor is in one of my books, and then a school super, superintendent who my wife didn't like, I, I killed right off the bat in, <laughs> exactly. in, in Cagney Station. So uh, oh, there was sometimes I've had to s- switch names and. Uh, the book that you're reading, you haven't met this character yet. <laughs> you told me where you were in the book, and I know that you haven't uh-huh. met, met met this character yet. But you're going to meet a character. You're going to meet somebody. Um, there are three or four sections of the book, parts of the book, or chapters of the book, where it's 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 about another character uh, who, who's unknown to everybody but the reader. And uh, and I had to change his name from uh, his name originally was going to be John Maxwell, who was uh, somebody in the newspaper business. But I had John Murphy, I had Jack Merrill, and I had John Maxwell, and I had too many people with the, the initials JM. So uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I changed it to Dan Dinsmore, who I happened to oh, see. Oh, I know yesterday. him. Hi, Dan Dinsmore. Sure. <laughs> <I Yeah. know. laughs> he was awesome. my former boss. And, uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you're going to be interested. You're going to be entertained by uh, the role he plays here. So, so I avoid names like uh, uh, Lance, and I, yeah. you know, I try to have meat and potatoes names about American people, and uh, right. you know, and then because uh, my description of characters, you know, I, it's bare bones. I tend to do bare bones. I leave a lot of that to the imagination of the reader. So I think uh, that's one of the things I – that's a trick, I think, that uh, I like to do is, is, is I believe in not – I believe I want, my, I want my readers to be engaged in the book, and then they're more engaged if they have to do a little bit of thinking so, or a little bit of more imagining, I guess. How about as we're reading um, the three books, is there a lot of gore in them, like gore, sex, all you know, all the stuff, or is it straightforward, or how, how's that? How's that go the, in the, these the books? Gore, the gore, the gore, uh, the gore that's in there. Uh, I'm not. It's not gratuitous. Uh, I mean, these, these are murder mysteries, so every once in a while, I, I describe a body. Usually, it, it's, it's the aftermath. Um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, um, the book that you've read. Um, and there may be uh, a couple of other people get killed, you know, during the course mm-hmm. of the book. Uh, I don't spend much time, you know, other than you have to. So I don't, I don't, I don't wade in the stuff. Uh, as for sex, there's, there's, there's romance. I think not, not so much in the book that you read because it's, it's a male-dominated book. Because uh, my experience in Vietnam is that was, you know, that's who we dealt with, yeah. you know, and you know. Um, Although there was an interlude, I think, where he he calls home because his girlfriend has mm-hmm. dumped him. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah so. I, in fact, I lo- I love that part where, where it's like the, the letters are all the same or something. There's a, yeah. there's a line in yeah. here that's that's like, yep, <laughs> that's yeah. on point well, that's, right it, there. It, it, that, <laughs> yeah. That's the one. It's the one that I got. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, is it? So I, I wondered that after hearing your talk. I'm like, yeah, it, yeah, oh, that's yeah. the letter. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got one. Not in Vietnam, but I got one. So, uh, yeah. yeah, and they and they are all the same. So, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I that was funny. <laughs> but uh, I um, think that's part of the Vietnam experience. That happened to a lot of guys, uh, and, and yeah, a lot of yeah. guys. I mean, I had guys hurt themselves over that. You know, we all had mm-hmm. guns. <laughs> so. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Um, uh, the sex, you... Uh, you know, I had I had a scene in the second book 
where he, he meets a, a woman and, and they become friends. And I had this steamy scene with them. And I, and uh, it was fairly, fairly early in the book. And uh, I think I gave four or five chapters of the book for someone to read. And so he, he, he met the, this this gal and 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 he said no. He says uh, no, no. <laughs> She's a good girl. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> to know. take it out, yeah. I had, yeah down, I had a, maybe down the road, <laughs> another yeah. book, maybe. <laughs> you know, so 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 so, so I took it out. You know, so I think that feedback's yeah. always helpful, though, when you give your book to somebody else or somebody that knows you, and they go, Nah, don't put that in there, or whatever. Because yeah. you know, I had that yeah. happen in my own. I had a few choice swear words in mine, and somebody said, You know, that's not really like yeah. you. Yeah, you should yeah. take that out. I'm like, oh, but it's so on point. And they're like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I point, get it. But, yeah. <laughs> but it may not be polite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So in your talk, one of the in talk, I mean, when I listened to you at um, in Cumberland at the at the library up there, I loved all of your stories about Maine, and um, it, and you were talking a lot about Let Me Tell a Story, which is the fourth book you wrote. Do you right. want to talk a little bit about that? Because that was, that was interesting because I'm not from here. I've lived here for sure. almost 14 years, but I yeah. found that fascinating. Um, any any time I get I, history from Maine, I enjoy it because yeah. I don't know yeah. it. Well, well, this, this book, uh, it, it's, it's a series of, of, of interconnected stories. In some ways they're interconnected and in other ways they're, they're not, but it's a series of stories that take place over about a 60-year period, uh, starting in 1959 and going all, all the way up to the uh, current time. And, um, and it's like a, a, a story takes place every five to ten years in, in, the, in the way these things rotate through. And uh, a lot of them are based on... Um, Things that either happened to me, or nearly happened to me, or didn't happen in the way that uh, I portray in the story, uh, but they could have. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, so the first one uh, uh, of, of that is is called uh, a trip to St. Clair, and uh, it it takes place in 1959, and it, it revolves around the experiences of a a boy who was 12 going on 13. He's in, you know. And uh, and it's about his his family and uh, uh, his uh, family's relationship with uh, uh, his grandparents and and it's a little bit of family history in that uh, in the in the in the story uh, this, this family is driving up to Aroostook County to visit the, the grandfather of or the father of of, of his mother and uh, his paternal grandfather maternal grandfather. And they're showing off um, his little sister, and then, and, they, and the family um, conveyance is, is is a pickup truck, and and he and his brother uh, riding that back of the pickup truck all the way from Augusta to Aroostook County, which back then was a long trip. Didn't have the interstate yeah. back then, so it was, it was a it was a long trip. And actually, I've actually had people who, uh, the woman who was editing my story, uh, my book, uh, the family had occasion to go up to go up to Aroostook County for something, and they followed the route that the boy took. Oh, cool. Okay? And it took sort of took them, a, 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 you know, in a roundabout way to where they were going. But they followed the mm-hmm. route, and they were able to go right to the bungalow <laughs> where <laughs> a lot of the action takes place, you know. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, so it 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 relates. You know, it tells you a little bit of what Maine was like back then. And but it uh, also tells you a little bit of, like what it uh, what it uh, uh, you meet a ca- characters up there who have a very different lifestyle from from the character that the the boy leads in in, in Augusta where he's from. Um, uh, there's a girl that he meets, and if they go to the movies, it's a big deal. They got to go they got to go an hour away, you know. Uh, if they go shopping, they got to go to Bangor, which is you know a couple three hours away. So. Um, so I think it's interesting, you know, for people who, uh, aside from the story itself, because I think it's a pretty good story about about a family, but to get an idea of what life was like, you know, at that time here in Maine. Uh, another story, the next story is a, 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 is called the, the Girl He Left Behind, and uh, the girl I left behind, and it's, and it's about uh, – uh, this fellow, who's young guy, who's graduated from high school and is going into the army, and uh, he works at a supermarket, and uh, he becomes friends with a with a with a woman who works at the, uh, I'll say, a young lady, not not a woman, but a young lady. Not, she's a little bit older than he is, and uh, I'm not gonna give away too much about this story, but it's uh, it's about uh, oh, okay, she's pregnant. <laughs> And huh. and she was uh, pregnant at a time uh, when uh, for unmarried girls uh, that wasn't an easy thing uh, right. to be, you know. So uh, and she's been she's from Waterville and she's down in Augusta working, uh, living with an aunt, you know, is going to have the baby at some point and uh, uh, and hasn't decided on what she's going to do about it and. Uh, but it's mostly about this kid who's getting ready to go in the army, and uh, uh, and meets this girl and learns of her situation and is uh, is concerned about it. But he's you know going into the army, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then there's a couple of pieces in there that take place in, in Vietnam. Uh, I I was um, I was issued a Claymore mine when I went to my final duty station in Vietnam so I and I carried it with me for 15 months and it was in a uh, it was in a cloth pouch and I didn't carry it around with me all the time because I was afraid it might go off but but I but I I put it in a place that I could get to it and every once in a while uh, I I'd have occasion to go and deploy it out below out beyond our trench line and so it was a, it's a story about what it feels like to do that and and the frustration that um Doing that and you're never using it, in time, and at times you do want to use it, but you can't because it's mm-hmm. not the right situation. Uh, the, the Claymore, the way it was set up here, would have been the last, our, basically our last line of defense. So we probably we would never want to be in that situation anyway. So yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and then <laughs> uh, another Vietnam story takes place when 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 this kid's going home and he's euphoric about going home. He's been there, been in Vietnam. He survived and. He gets to overseas replacement, and uh, they want to put him on KP, and it's suggested that, well, you know, you can avoid that by uh, there were clothes that were being tossed away and uh, by guys that are going back to the States, and so he puts on a, a shirt that has sergeant chevrons on it. And so he walks around for three or four days as a sergeant and doesn't have to do any of this duty, and so he has some some little adventures there. Gets in a fight, Clever. A brawl, and everything, and and uh, that was a potentially a life changing experience. And I, and I did do that, 
at yeah, some of the suggestions. Yeah, what's true and what's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I did do that, and uh, I didn't realize till I was researching the story that uh, that could have been life-changing experience if I'd gotten caught. Yeah. Uh, that's a very serious offense in the Army, so. And... Um, that's really interesting. I, I think yeah. that's that's the question coming in. Um, the same question is coming about five times now, so I'm just going to ask that sure. um, of your books. Um, and you can't go through all the books and say what's real, what's not, and sure. so forth. But um, that's the question that keeps coming up the most here is, like, what part of them is actually true since they're fiction? Um, although the the last one is a little bit more um, – is the last one right. written in first person? The, let me yes. tell stories. Yeah, okay. But the other yeah. three, how do how does a reader know unless they you know get you on the phone and ask you or type an email to you like and do you mind if people do that? We're getting that question too. Um, yeah. What's real and what's not? That seems to always interest people when authors write books. Um, well, you know, um, one of the books, Cagu Station, involves a uh, a um, some rifles. Some M1 carbine. When I was stationed, when I first reported to the Cagnus Station, we were issued M1 carbines, M2 carbines actually. The shorter version of the of the World War II uh, weapon is actually used in the Korean War also. And and this this was a weapon that was usually issued to cooks and uh, in combat engineers, you know, rear echelon, semi rear echelon troops to, to be able to defend themselves. So uh, in a and somewhere along the line, these were taken away from us, and were, uh, we were issued M1, M14 carbine, uh, uh, M14 rifles, which was also being phased out at that time, being replaced by other weaponry. But it was uh, uh, you know, a more potent weapon than the M- M2. So I always wondered what happened to the M2s. And so I, I envisioned I, I, my story starts basically is a revolves around uh the m2 rifles what happened to them don't learn uh, the reader will not learn about that until very late in the book so uh i published a book and maybe about four or five years ago i get an email from a fellow who in uh, this is southern california who was a who was an eritrean uh, uh teacher and uh he was in eritrea to the early 70s and he he, he wrote me a letter asking me if the rifles that I'm talking about, are they the ones that were involved in the CIA plot in 1969 and 1970, okay? Hmm. Uh, apparently someone tried to take, took these weapons and tried to run a, uh, run a sting operation uh, involving uh, the Liberation Front. Well, it was kind of cool because, no, I didn't even know anything about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> But it but turns out that the, the the main one of the big plot points in the book is something that actually happened oh, in neat. a different way than than is portrayed in the book. So uh, the dead guy in, in in Vietnam, there was a dead guy at my post in Vietnam. Yeah, that was my question. I wondered that. Yeah. I'm like, wasn't it real? Yeah. yeah. But he, yeah. he had a heart attack. He had a heart attack, though. Okay, it was, so this right. is different, you know. Right. Um, so a lot. It, I, it's it's the, the 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 atmosphere of the book, uh, the things that go on in the background, the things that he may experience, are things that uh, that had nothing to do with his case, right? Are probably true, and 
and um, what I do is I took a plot and some characters, uh, for the most part, that I've created, and, and they swim through it. Uh, there is a character in uh, in Fubai, the, the 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 police chief, the uh, chief, uh, the provost marshal was a, a Captain Wolf that's in the book, and and he is actually based on a, a, a Captain Buffalo, and hmm. my former commander, who I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't really hang out with those guys. He noticed that he wrote me a letter about. Oh, this about he congratulated me on the book and how real it was. But he also said, my car- you know, I, I, I assume that Captain Wolf is based on Larry Buffalo, and you were spot on. And then about uh, you know, in, in my description of him, and 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 I didn't even know the guy other than I heard things about him. <laughs> and uh, and I got a week later, I got a I got a uh, email from Larry Buffalo, and he's by then at that time he was chief of security at uh, Oakland International Airport, and. Uh, he said he had gotten book, copies of that book for all of his kids, so that uh, oh good, so you're still taught. allowed to go through the Oakland airport. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, I did. I tr- I, I was going to look him up, but we didn't stay long enough for me to yeah. look him up. Uh, we good. did we did go out there a short time after. Um, I love how books impact other people, though. You know, in such positive ways. They buy it for their kids and their grandkids or whoever. Right. That's that's pretty special that somebody would do that. That's nice. Yeah. You know, no, people. Uh, everybody. I answer every email I get, and and uh, if I can uh, have a dialogue with somebody over my books, especially, I I, I, I appreciate hearing from them. So. Good. All right. Well, yeah. I want to tell everybody about your website, and then um, it's uh, paulbatit.com. And right. um, I, I love your website. It's so easy to navigate, and uh, the books are up there. P- people can buy your books. But you right. can buy the ebook. You can buy um, so if you go to paulbetit.com, it's p-a-u-l-b-e-t-i-t.com. You can buy his books. Um, they're also on Amazon. You know, I plan on going on Amazon and writing some reviews of each of the books too. Um, I appreciate pretty that. soon here. Yeah, I love I love Amazon reviews. They always help. Um, and you've got well, you have another question here, but it's from Cam. <laughs> Do you want a question from Cam? Oh yeah, Cameron Garino. He's listening. That's pretty fun. Um, That's good. It's not a. It's not a question about your books, though. It's a question about be- baseball. Oh, Cam. He better That's not funny. be skipping class. That's all I know. No, no. I think and he's done. He doesn't do that. Um, okay. No, he wants you to tell a baseball story. That's funny. I have. Um, a, I have a baseball story. Do you mind? I have a baseball. No, I have all a right. baseball story. Okay. Uh, in 1986, <laughs> I interviewed Ted Williams. Oh, that's neat. Okay, and uh, he at the time he was filming, he was uh, selling Nissen's bread. He was doing commercials for Nissen's bread, and uh, he uh, he did them with uh, uh, the former sports editor at the uh, Bangor Daily News. And he's a, this guy you wouldn't know. His name is Bud Levitt, and he was up there for he was a fixture up there for forty or fifty years. And he used to go down. He met him at Fenway covering. Back then, I guess uh, the newspapers from all over New England would go down and cover the Red Sox. So uh, he met them. They became fishing buddies, and uh, so they did a series of commercials. And the ones, the one that he was um, uh, filming uh, at the time was uh, was up on uh, uh, in Rockport on the, go- the golf course up in Rockport at the resort, the Samoset. And uh, so I went up and I brought my son, my eldest, who was nine at the time. He's forty-one now. 
and one of his buddies, and I took a couple of baseballs, and we went up, and, and I was also taking a photo. I was Back then, I would sometimes take the photo and do the do the story. So I was, it was a story about those two and how they met and uh, what, what the nature of their relationship was. And uh, and I actually never quite found that out because neither one of them really would talk about that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but uh, so this is the year uh, when the Red Sox went – to the World Series, played the Mets, and this mm-hmm. takes place in August, and uh, so I, I interviewed him, and then we just talked for a little bit, and he asked me, Ted Williams asked me about a trade that had just taken place, in which the Red Sox sent some players, who I can't remember, to the Seattle Mariners, in exchange they got Dave Henderson, and they got Spike Owens. Dave Henderson uh, was a center fielder, Spike Owens was a shortstop. So he asked me, what do, you, what do you think of that trade? And I said, well, I says, you know, Dave Henderson, and I had just read all about it that day. At the Thank time, goodness, Ted, right? spent, <laughs> yeah, Ted spent his summers in, in, on the other side of the Miramichi River in New Brunswick, which is like a black hole concerning the media. You know, it just, you know, it was really, you know, out of, out of, outside where you could really get what's going on in the outside, outside world. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, you know, uh, Dave Henderson at the time, was a career home run leader for the Mariners. This is, um, and uh, he had like 76 home runs in three seasons. So he says, he's got some power and he's got some good range in the outfield. And Spike Owens says, Alto is an excellent shortstop and he's a switch hitter. He's got a good bat from the left, good bat from the right. And so he says, well, that sounds like a pretty good trade. So I had to wait to take the photo because they were, they were scheduled to sit at a table and I was, together during this commercial but the lighting had to be just right for the cam- their cameras, so I had to wait. So I had to wait for about an hour. And I, I, I couldn't talk to Ted Williams for an hour because, uh, you know, we really didn't have much in common. So, mm-hmm. so I, But I hung out, and every once in a while, someone would notice Ted Williams sitting in a golf cart next to this golf court, course in Rockport. So this one guy comes over, starts talking to him, and says to Ted, what about that trade? He says, uh, that trade that the Sox made. And he says, well, Ted says, you know, he says, it's Dave Henderson. He's a good center fielder. He says, and, you know, people don't know it, but he's got the career uh, home run record for the Seattle Mariners. He's hit 76 home runs in three seasons. He says, and he says, Spike Owens, well, you know, he's got a good range at shortstop, and he's a switch hitter. He's got a good bat from the left, a good bat from the right. I think it's a good trade. And so the guy was just, said, oh, wow, Ted Williams talked to me, and, analyzing things and he, he he looks over at me and he says boy teddy ball game and he walks off you know and uh <laughs> it was it was pretty funny <laughs> well, that's kind of an honor too it's funny and an honor you got you know it is it is it is but you know um uh, i know awesome. i've over the years especially pro coaches every once in a while i've made a suggestion and every time uh every once in a while they they follow my suggestion and it's also it's always Good. disastrous. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. Cam says thank you. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that a good baseball story for Cam? <laughs> yeah, he said thanks. Uh, good. Funny, that kid boy, he lives baseball. Um, yeah, geez. Um, all right, so let's go back to your books for again. For yeah. me. Thank you for that. We took a little baseball break. Right, right. We're going to go over just a little bit to anybody listening. It might cut off live at the very end, but we'll try and wrap up here um, okay. within time. If it does go off, it it, it keeps um, recording. Uh, you just can't uh-huh. quite hear the end if you're listening live. So um, thank you for being with us. 
How interesting um, to have you on the show. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should ask? Is there anything I missed completely? It happens. Uh, Pretty good. And you don't have 60 seconds. You can keep going. You know, if there's anything that you wanted to talk about. I'll tell you, some of the questions you asked me, uh, I was prepared for. Oh, who was the author? Yeah. Uh, You didn't ask me about who I, who's the author that most influenced me. Oh yeah, and, let's talk about and, that. And this is this is this is in terms of style, okay, and and maybe approach. And uh, it's a fellow by the name of Hans Helmut Kurtz, K I R S T. He was a German writer in the last century. Uh, he wrote more than 100 novels, and uh, one of the best uh, best thing that he's known for there was an, an, in in 1967 there was a film called the night of the generals that started uh, peter o'toole and omar sharif and and, and and it was a detective story actually it takes place uh, involving german generals just before d-day and uh, it was a, it was a good movie at the time and and i read the book but i came across in the library when i was stationed in ethiopia i came across a series of books that he wrote uh, about a, a character by the name of Gunnar Ash, A-S-C-H, who was a uh, non-commissioned officer in the Wehrmacht, the German Navy, and he follows his adventures over these series of books from about 1930 through the end of the war. And mm-hmm. so it's basically stories told from the perspective of this uh, professional soldier and uh uh, talks about the rise of Hitler and 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 and, and the Nazi Nazis and and uh, how this fella dealt with it and dealt with it uh, uh, you know uh, from a moral basis also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I liked about him is that his directness and his um, uh, real you know the realism that he that he right. that he uses you know in terms of uh, you know what these people were doing, how they lived, uh, how they were armed, what life was like uh, during the war. Uh, not necessarily gory, uh, like my books, but, but you know, you get a good idea of what it was like to be there. And uh, How did you come across him? Did, did you see the movie uh, was, first, I, The General? He, I was just looking for a book to read in the library. Uh, we had a small library at the Post in, in oh. Ethiopia, maybe Three or four thousand books, and I had read, read all of Hemingway, and I had read all of Steinbeck, and and I just started looking in the case, and I saw this name, and I picked one up, and uh, and I think it was five or six books he wrote about this guy, and I ended up reading all of them. And, oh, neat! Uh, yeah, that was long all before right. I thought about uh, writing. So, although my wife well, claims that when oh, we were dating, I, I talked about Your writing wife. screenplays. Yeah. Debbie, <laughs> she's not here with us. She might be listening, but we need to talk about Debbie. How amazing is yeah. Debbie and your kids? So before we go, let's give some props to Debbie because yeah. uh, I see a lot of dedication here um, to Debbie in the books. And um, what role does she play in all of this? Because she sounds pretty darn amazing. Well, uh, not so much the, the newest book, but each of the other books, she read them to me. Oh, that was cool. like the la- one of the last things we did, and this would this would be two or three months. Uh, you know, she's a she is a teacher. She's retired now, but she was a teacher. So we'd have to wait basically to to the summers, and 
so we'd take them to camp. We'd take them. We'd be home, and you no, know, we may read four or five pages at a, at a whack, you know. And uh, she she would be reading it, and then I'd hear it, and I'd say, "Oh wow, it doesn't sound just the way I want it to sound." And she said, "I think I wanted to say this," and she said, "Well, why don't you say that then?" And actually, we got to know each other uh, even better. <laughs> you know? That's neat. And it was it was a good good experience. In in these short stories, um, she read. I mean, she's read them all. She read them all before they even went out the door to anybody. You know, she, she, uh, I, I, but I uh, enlisted uh, some, uh, uh, they're called A-readers. Uh, I had four or five people that that read read these each story, and uh, they read them in the order they were written. Uh, nobody read them in the order that they ran in the book, because they, they're all written out of, out of order. So mm-hmm. some of my first stories are at the back of the book, the rear of the book. So. Yeah. Well, uh, good, yeah, because – oh, go ahead. So sorry. she's been very – actually very patient, very supportive, and she has ideas too. Oh, some okay. some of them are good, some of them, some of them are not so good, but uh, <laughs> she's a good, great source of support, really. Uh, yeah. We did a series – I did a series of book talks this summer, and she uh, she went on uh, one foray into Franklin County, and we had we had a good time. It was uh, – uh, she was at the back of the room and uh, gave me little critiques and, and – uh, and then, you know, the last one we did, uh, she said, "Wow, you actually listened to me." You made it part, and then you just did it. <laughs> huh. I said, "Well," so I said, "I have to assimilate things." So, you know, that's really funny. They percolate you, um, that. All right, they, they percolate. Yeah, exactly. They need to percolate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's funny. Did, uh, okay, one last question, then we'll let you go, because I know we're running. Um, I've kept you over here a little bit. Um, okay. Do you visualize this? As movies or TV show, I mean, what do you, what do you, what well, are your goals? Someone has approached me in the far distant yeah. past about one of the books. Uh-huh. Um, I'd like to talk to someone seriously about it. Yeah, they, they want to know if the film rights were available in one of my books. Well, and sure, we'll right? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, <laughs> the film yeah they okay. are. And, uh, but, uh, yes, they are. Yeah, and I, I think um, there's a couple of movies I think in this last book I think yeah. it could be a couple of movies in, in, in there or television shows you know uh, Lifetime Channel that would be a like great that. idea yeah let let, let yeah. me tell a story would be a good that, that lends yeah. itself to a television show you're right ah right. good idea alright alright right. All right. well thank you so much Paul for being with us uh, well, I appreciate I'm it I'm and glad, uh, glad you invited me yeah. oh t- total blast it's uh things happen for a reason and it's it's really cool and i'm glad i've i met you in the rain and um yeah. all that good stuff so it's it's cool and um yeah your books are wonderful and, and we're it's proud we're proud to have you know main authors i think it's really exciting to have people from here who write things that um you know we've got a lot of main authors i have a suggestion we have a lot for, of a lot of people writing books and uh you know i've met some of them mm-hmm. a few of them um you know but uh we should get together <laughs> more often. We don't. All of you us, know. yeah. You know, there's, but, a, uh, there's a good group um, on the internet. It's called Hometown Reads, and uh-huh. they are assembling all of the people in each state who are the authors, and they're listing them state by state. And it's free to join. It's called Hometown Reads, and um, they just switched me from Minneapolis, where I was born, to Maine, um, because they finally put up a a main state 
Uh-huh. And so there's like six of us. So you should join that. I'll I'll send you the link. It's it's awesome. Sure. Yeah, Hometown Reads, and it lists all the okay. authors. It puts a it puts a picture of each of the books that you've written and a description and a link back to your website and everything on it. It's really they do a great job. So and oh, it's, it's all I'll, free. Uh, yeah. Send me the link. I will. Uh, I will. I will. I will talk to my marketing department and we'll we'll do something about that. <laughs> <Here>. All right. <laughs> my marketing department and your marketing department will talk. Right. All right. Right. Um, th- <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Paul, for being here. We appreciate it. Um, with best ever, you um, you can share the show. You can go right on to the link. We always have free replays, so the show exists just like this. I'm not going to edit it or anything. Um, you. You can share it on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Pinterest, wherever you want to go. You can email it, anything like that. Um, and I really believe in that. The show and Best Ever You have grown from like uh, the, the very first show I ever did was with Forbes Riley, and we were talking to air, <laughs> I swear. And we've yeah. grown to over 3 million downloads now, and that's because of you guys listening. And I love it when we get in-depth like this and have these in-depth interviews with our with um, authors and actresses and actors and everything because you really get insight into their lives and what they're thinking and why they wrote what they wrote and you get a little bit more here. It's a, it's like a it's a good conversation. So I think it's a really interesting uh, show. I, I, I like the concept. I like the, the idea of having a conversation. So yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. Give and take. So, I'm glad Amy asked a question. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you had more. I I inter, I didn't do live callers because um, I don't have anybody screening the calls. Yeah. So, um, but I did the chat and I can and I pretty much asked all the questions because a lot of people were kind of asking the same thing. But I have a feeling as more and more people um, read the books, you'll get more and more questions. So that's that's the way that works. But thank you again, everybody, for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Paul. And um, oh, you're take care. Yes, thank you. All right, so we're going to end, and um, we appreciate you all being with us. And um, I have, let's see, I'm going to go get Cam tomorrow at New Haven. He's got a break until Tuesday. And then we're going to come back on Thursday at 1 o'clock with Lee Guy. And um, she's in process. Um, She's a life coach and author, all sorts of great stuff about her. We're going to talk to her about um, her process of of changing into what she's doing right now and um, and all that. So that ought to be a very interesting show as well. So thanks everybody for listening. Take care. We'll talk to you on Thursday, October 26th at one o'clock. And again, thanks to Paul. His website is paulpetit.com and um, his books are all up there and on Amazon for you guys to buy and share. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the best ever you show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.